0: If you turn it with me in your Bibles, we're going to start in Nehemiah, Nehemiah 8. Um, And today I want to talk to you about something, this is one of those ones that kind of changed on me over the week as I chewed on it and studied and kind of changed into something different than what I was thinking towards the beginning of the week. Um, But then it kind of ties into last week too, so... So today, I'm going to talk to you about something that you choose, and it will change or determine the outcome of your life and the impact that you will make on the world, and it's something that you choose, so it's pretty important. In fact, I would say it's the most important thing you will ever choose other than loving God and and accepting the sacrifice that Jesus made for you, this will be the next most important thing you'll ever choose. You ready? (laughs) It's who you'll do life with. You choose who you're going to do life with, who your relationships are, who your friends are, where you'll connect, where you'll invest, where you'll spend your time. And I would say that's the most important decision you'll ever make people you choose to do life with, to be in relationship with, to connect with, All right? You need human connection. We were created to need connection and you need other people. And just because you need people doesn't make you weak. It makes you human. You were made to need other people, not electronics. And and the weird thing is, there's all kind of studies, and I looked at some different ones and stuff, but how because of electronics, we're more connected than ever before, right? I've got a thousand friends. But people are more lonely and more disconnected, and there's more mental disorder, and there's all kind of things. If you go look at some of these studies, like, yeah, okay, digitally, I'm connected to thousands of people but that doesn't cut it technology is a great blessing or a great curse depends on how we use it what we use it for we saw me and the boys saw a commercial and jesse saw a commercial the other night and it was of you've probably seen it it was of the cars that can parallel park themselves So a lady just pulls up in a crowded, busy city, and there's two nice cars, and she pulls up and she just hits the button on the steering wheel, takes her hands off the steering wheel, checks her phone or whatever, and the car parallel parks itself. And I was like, no way. I would I would not trust. I mean, maybe you got a better relationship with your car than I do with my truck, but I wouldn't trust my truck to park himself. (laughs) He's not very trustworthy. And then it, it just got me thinking about technology and, and they're saying that they're building these smart cars and within a few years, you'll be able to buy one of these cars and get in and all you do is just put in the GPS or you can even have favorites and then the car will just drive you to where you want to go and you can, you know, catch up on your emails or whatever. You don't even have to pay attention. Seems kind of scary. They also say that it'll be a great thing when they have all self-driving cars because then when you don't pay your payments, they don't have to send out a repo man. They just program it in. He ain't paid. Guess what? The doors on your truck lock and your truck drives back to the repo lot. Which is kind of scary to think about that kind of technology. But think about all the new country songs that could be written. My truck left me too. Some good new songs there, but anyways, all right, we're getting off track. So, technology could be a good thing or it can be a curse because we feel like we're connected to so many people, but yet we don't have any real relationships. I'm not really involved in your life, like, I'm friends with you on Facebook. Great, I see your highlight reel, but what do you struggle with? Are you hurting? Like we're called to be in each other's lives. We're called to relationship. Who you do life with is so important. What kind of friends do you have? Think about people that you talk to on a a daily or a weekly basis or who you do life with. Do you have joy? Or do you run around offended all the time? That has a lot to do with the people you hang around with. So look at Nehemiah 8.10. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet. It's a good barbecue restaurant. And send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord, neither be ye sorry. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we know scripture tells us that in God's presence there is fullness of joy or fullness of strength. So joy equals strength. And to get more joy or more strength, we're supposed to be in His presence. We talked last week about worship, our connection to heaven, our connection to God, to get full, get filled with joy. There are four uns that a lack of joy can be traced to. If you're unthankful, unholy, unloving, or unforgiving. And these four uns can all be summed up in this. Being offended. I'm offended with you. I can't believe he said that. Did you see what she posted? We all get offended. Everybody seems to get offended nowadays. Did you know being offended is a choice? You choose to be offended or not. See, we like to put it on the person that offended me, it's their fault. No, they don't control you. If you allow them to have control over you, you allow them to offend you, but being offended is a choice. You can choose not to be offended. My pastor, Pastor Bruce, says, I I choose not to be offended. You can't offend me. He says sometimes when his wife Rhonda is really getting on his nerves, he says, I'm about to choose to be offended with you. (laughs) It's a choice. If you're offended, you don't have joy. Offense steals your joy. And if joy equals strength, then To be offended is to be weak. Oh, so you're choosing weakness when you choose to be offended. So with the relationships that you make in life and the things that you choose every day and you choose to be offended or you choose not to be offended, every decision that you make and the moments that we put together that make our life you're building your future. Like the things that you choose today and the people you choose to be to build relationship with today, that's has great impact on your future. You're planting seeds, you're building a future with decisions that you are making today. It's reaping and sowing. You're planting seeds. There's a prayer that that I've prayed to God lately and just really ask God to just show me, reveal to me about myself. Um, and what I've prayed is, God, is there anything in my life, whether it's a sin or not? Because remember, Paul said, all things are permissible, but all things are not profitable. So, so my prayer has been, God, is there anything in my life, sin or not, that could cause me to, sum- to stumble? Is there anything in my life that could cause me to lose my wife? Is there anything in my life that could cause me to lose the church or hope or faith? Are are there things that I'm carrying around? Are there seeds that I'm planting that in the future could be devastating? Like little seeds that I plant now, today, tomorrow, that don't really seem to be big deals at all but just like when you plant one piece of corn when the harvest comes there's a whole bunch of corn right so it's just thinking about and searching my heart and my mind and, and is it a seed is it a sin for me to listen to music that doesn't honor God no but it could be a seed is it a sin for me to Go somewhere with the woman that I'm not married to. No, but it's a seed of stupidity. (laughs) Right? Like, there are, it's planting, is it a sin for me to drink a beer? No, but it's a seed. Especially if that's something that you deal with. Why plant those seeds? So God, is there anything in my life that could stop me from walking out that purpose. Is there anything in my life that's going to steal my trust, my belief, my faith? Is is there anything in my life, be it a sin or not? God, are there relationships in my life? Are there places in my life that I'm investing my time, my talent, my treasures that aren't good for me, for my purpose? Are there things and people and mindsets that I have connected myself to that I need to let go of? Or are there things, people, relationships that I have lost? You know, there are some things, some relationships, some people that that maybe we lost. Maybe you lost somebody to death. Maybe you lost things that you've lost and if you don't find healing then they'll steal your joy Right? they'll keep you so either way are there things that I have in my life that I need to let go of or are there things that I've lost that I haven't figured out how to let go of I want joy, I want strength I want to be all that God's called me to be there's a story about um it's a true story about a guy named Mordecai Brown. Anybody ever heard of him? Mordecai Brown. He was he was born in uh, October nineteenth, eighteen seventy six. Born on my birthday in eighteen seventy six, and uh, his nickname was Three Finger Brown. Maybe you've ever heard of Three Finger Brown. Well, he was put into the Hall of Fame in 1949 for Major League Baseball. He was a pitcher. He won 239 games with a career ERA of 2.06. He played on the Cubs championship teams of 1906, 1907, 1908, and 1910. Now, he loved baseball more than anything. But when he was a kid, he was involved in a farm equipment accident that left his right hand, his throwing hand, mauled and mangled, and he lost two fingers. So he only had three fingers left. And his hand was all messed up, and they told him, like, forget about baseball. You better start farming but it was something that was in his heart and you go read the story about him he practiced so hard and so much that even though he lost those two fingers he developed this new way to throw the ball and they say he could throw this curveball that was also like a knuckleball mix with his three fingers and he became one of the greatest major league pitchers back then he was one of the best with three fingers, some of us spend all our time mourning the two that we lost, instead of using what we have. We spend all our time worried about them two fingers we lost in an accident, or the 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 time that was wasted, or the relationship that's gone, or the loved one that passed, or the the. Money we wasted on addictions or the whatever it is, instead of using what you have and letting God use it for your good and His glory. In life, you're going to lose things, you're going to lose people, you could lose health, might lose your job, but don't let it take your hope. Don't let it take your faith and your joy. How? How do I keep it? Because how do I keep it from taking my hope and my faith and my joy? And Yeah, easy, easy to stand here and say, Well, I'm glad you asked. I'll tell you how. Who you do, what, who you do life with. It's who you're connected to. In Genesis, when God looked at Adam and he was alone and he was the only human he had perfect relationship with god there was nothing in between him and god there was no sin and god looked at him and said it's not good for man to be alone so god made him a helpmate you were created for relationship connection partnership do you know that connection with other people balances your life nobody sees everything clearly although we think we do we don't see everything clearly you need relationships especially when you get up in your feelings and your emotions you need to be connected to people that can say hold on a second Remember, even when Jesus came back to talk to Peter after he died on the cross, and he came back specifically on the beach to talk to Peter, who had led all the other disciples back to their old life of fishing. And Peter couldn't even tell it was him. Peter was naked in the boat, and he had denied Jesus. And and John said, hey, Peter, it's Jesus. It's him. That's Jesus. Jesus. He couldn't see it clearly, but he was in relationship with somebody that saw Jesus and said, He's here to talk to you. We need each other. You ever heard of the one another's? It's a study you can do throughout the New Testament on all the time that we see one another's. So 58 times in the New Testament... It talks about one another's, love one another, care for one another, support one another, encourage one another, greet one another, pray for one another, break bread with one another. Like 58 times in the New Testament, this is the mutual ministry of the body of Christ to itself. It's relationship, it's breaking bread together, it's it's being in relationship with each other. There was huge emphasis on this in the early church. What we're supposed to look like. Connections give you strength. Look at Ecclesiastes 4 9. I'm going to read it to you in the Message Bible. Ecclesiastes 4 9. It's better to have a partner than go it alone. Share the work, share the wealth. And if one falls down, the other helps. But if there's no one to help, tough. Two in bed warm each other. Alone, you shiver all night. By yourself, you're unprotected. With a friend, you can face the worst. Can you round up a third? Why? A three-stranded rope isn't easily snapped. three-stranded rope isn't easily snapped. We use this a lot in weddings, and it works there. He's talking about relationships. How easy do you snap? Ooh, maybe you need to check your relationships. Acts 2, 41. This is what the early church looked like. The New Testament church. That day, about 3,000 took him at his word and were baptized and were signed up. They committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles and to life together. They're supposed to do life together. The common meal and the prayers. Everyone around was in awe of all those wonders and signs done through the apostles. And all the believers lived in a wonderful harmony. Holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and they pooled their resources so that each person's need was met. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home. Every meal a celebration. Exuberant and joyful as they praised God. People in general liked what they saw. Every day, their number grew as God added those who were saved. Connections and the fellowship and it grew and they had everything in common and they sold everything they had. And whoever didn't have what they needed, they gave it to them. I bet people did like what they saw, ready to sign up and grow every day. Look at 1 Kings 17. This story, um, you've probably heard the story before, but Elijah prophesies to the king Ahab, and he says there's about to be a drought on the land, and it's not going to rain, and there is a drought. And Elijah's called to go sit by the river, And he's sitting under a tree by this little spring so that there's a drought in the whole land, but he has something to drink. And then God has ravens come by and bring him bread and meat. So he's sitting there, and the spring dries up. Birds stop coming, and and God tells him, I got a new plan. So we got to keep listening. read you starting in verse 7 and it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land and the word of the Lord came unto him saying arise get thee to Zarephath which belongeth to Zidon and dwell there behold I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee in other words I've got a somebody there I want you to partner with for this next phase of ministry this next step well why I like sitting here by the river doing what I I like the birds Uber Eats dropping it off for me and I'm good no God said got a new plan I got a widow I've commanded her she's gonna help you out go there I need you to connect with somebody who is it an awesome, powerful woman of God that's pastoring a big church there in Zarephath? It's a widow woman. Just go, trust me. Okay. So he arose and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there. What luck? Gathering of sticks. And he called to her and he said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. We're in a drought. She, she don't know who you are. You just walked up and said, hey, go get me some water. Was the same thing we saw Jesus say to the woman at the well last week. Hey, give me a drink of water. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and he said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. Oh, and while you're at it, give me something to eat. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die." She said, I got got enough flour and oil to make one cake and then me and my son are going to eat it and then we're going to die. No hope for the future. That is hopeless. You have no hope that tomorrow is going to be better than today or yesterday. That's that's hopeless. She was hopeless. She had given up already. She's like, I don't know. I'll go get you some food. We're going to eat this last cake and die. And Elijah said unto her, fear not. When you are afraid, the natural thing for you to do is hoard. It is. That's what fear makes you want to do. Well, we've seen it throughout this season with COVID. Oh gosh, oh I gotta make sure I got enough from I gotta get enough water bottles, I gotta get enough toilet paper, I gotta get go hoard up. We may not be able to get stuff next week, so we better get enough to last them. That's what fear and panic and it makes you want to hoard. And God always says to give, to be generous. To give of what we have, to find ways to bless other people, to serve other people, to not be so worried about ourselves, but to live life with an open hand. It's the opposite of what our feelings say. Cause when we get scared or afraid or when we're uncertain about the future, then everything inside of us in our human nature says, Oh, I gotta protect me and mine. I gotta keep what I got. I can't give. I can't give away to help you. I gotta make sure I got enough for me. And all throughout the scripture, we see example after example of, no, give. No, find somebody else to serve. No, no. Give. So Elijah said unto her, fear not. Go and do thou as thou hast said. But make me thereof a little cake first. First. Who you think you are? Make me a little cake before I feed my son, before I feed my baby. Some of y'all might have jumped on him. Go make me thereof a little cake first and bring it unto me. And after, make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying. She obeyed to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat for many days. So she brings him the cake. He eats the cake. She's like, go back in the kitchen. Go check your flour. And she looked and there was more flour in the she, she checked the jar, and it had more oil in it, so she made another cake. And she turned around and looked, and there was more flour and more oil, and she made another cake, and it says she fed her and her son and her house and him and for many days until it started raining again. God did what He said He would do, but He asked her for obedience. See, we pray for God to do a miracle, and He gives us an instruction. Always. I'm praying for God. To, God, I need you to come through in this area. And then God gives you an instruction. Well, that makes no sense. God, I'm praying for you to come through. It didn't really make a whole lot of sense for her to do that. The barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah couple things I wanted to point out about that. They needed each other. right? She needed the prophet, the preacher, the man of God, and he needed her. Without the proper relationship, he was going to die. Without the proper relationship, connection, her and her son were going to die. They had to be connected. Had to be willing to give what you have like a lot of relationships. And one thing I've never noticed when reading that story was back here in verse 9. Arise and get thee to Zarephath. I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. She didn't know nothing about it. Right? When he was headed that way, he's probably like, okay, good, you already commanded somebody to help me. And he got there like, hey, give me some food. And she's like, I ain't got no food. Think about Elijah like, God, I thought you said you had commanded her to help me. You forget to tell her? God had given her what she needed to obey. You, You have what you need. It's easy to look at our little bit of flour and our little bit of oil and say it's not even enough for what I need so I can't give it to anybody else. I can't... Uh, God, you're asking me to give of this and I don't even have enough for myself. I can't even provide enough for my kid right now and you're asking me to, to give of this? God gives you what you need. You are a part of God's story. She was. See, she got to be a part of God's story. It's not just Elijah, because he heard the word from the Lord. She got to be just as big a part of the story. It's just the preacher. Nope. It's the people. It's connections, it's relationship, together. We can see amazing things. If you don't know how it works, like a church like we have and the ministries we're involved with and all the things I'm going to tell you here in a minute about some of the different things that you may not know of that, that we're a part of and people that we get to bless and... And just the services that we have and the camp days that we have and kids' and teens' lives are changed. And But like, if you don't know how that works, it just works from regular people being faithful to give what they have. You, me, us. Just like the woman. We're faithful to give what we have first. Just like she was asked to do. And God takes us us together and does this and and does ministry and touches people and heals there's no millionaire that writes checks to make sure ministry is done out of New Horizon Worship Center the Holy Spirit doesn't write us checks I wish he did because I feel like it would be a big one (laughs) it's just the faithfulness of Young men and single women, and hundred heirs across the room. <laughs> Some of y'all are multi hundred heirs, thousand heirs. <laughs> it's not about being rich, it's about being obedient and giving where God tells us to give, and then stepping out in obedience, and then God can do something incredible with it. Just like we saw in that story. Um, Philippians four fifteen. This is Paul's letter to the church, the New Testament church at Philippi. Now, ye Philippians, know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. He said, Nobody gave me anything except for y'all. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. See, they were sending money to Paul, and he needed it. Not because I desire a gift. Or Paul's saying, like, not that I don't need your money. Like, if you didn't come through, you didn't obey, then God would have sent somebody else. But... God called us together. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound on your account. Paul's like, it's not about the money that you've given me. I believe that God called me to do it. So if it wasn't you, it would've, he would have made somebody else or, or figured out another way. But Paul's like, I'm so happy that you gave and you obeyed and that we partnered together because it's more fruit on your account. Because you gave, so all these things I'm doing and all these churches that I'm writing and, and all these books that now we know became the New Testament, the Bible, all these books that Paul wrote, guess what? That was all on their account. Fruit. Why? Because they were supporting Paul. They were funding what was going on. So he says it goes to their account. I desire, what I desire, Paul said. Is that more be credited to your account. The Philippian church, I feel called to you. And you obviously feel called to me. You're supporting me, Paul's saying. I don't have to have your gift. God would do it another way, but God has called us together to accomplish this work. And every time you give is credited to your account. In other words, every time I do ministry, you get credit. You get fruit. You get blessing. Because you've made it possible. Romans ten fifteen. And how shall they preach, except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace, and bring glad tidings of good things. Paul's saying that every time I go out and minister, you guys get credit on your account because you made it possible for me to go out and minister. And it's like that with us. I think about like Brawl for a Cause that we did a couple years ago and me and Joe got in the ring. All right, we got in there and put on the gloves and we fought. But we raised $42,000. Not we, me and Joe. We, all of y'all. That was the powerful part. Is that everybody obeyed and everybody sacrificed and everybody had faith and did what they could and what God called them to do. And then a powerful thing was accomplished together. We, we did that. You know, we do all kinds of things. Jesse was talking about House of Cherith, it's a safe house for survivors of sex trafficking that we're involved with and have been for several years. And it's such an awesome place that is rescued. I don't even know the number now. A lot of women have been rescued and ministered to and helped and, and poured into. And we get to be a part of that. Every one of you, you, you support the church. You faithfully drop in your tithes and offering that enable us to be a part of such an awesome ministry and see restoration and fight the evil that is human trafficking. That's a pretty cool thing. You know what else we're involved with? Blake House. And and these things, let me say, um, during this time of like the last few months of COVID and uncertainty and where a lot of donors to nonprofits have pulled back and stuff, we, because of your faithfulness, and you being obedient and giving what you can and when you can. And, and some of you giving a lot. And like we've been able to even step up our giving to the places that we feel called as a church. We've given financially to House of Cherith. We give time. Uh, another one is the Blake House. Blake House right down the road here in Waco that ministers to men struggling with addiction. It's an awesome ministry, and, and I go there and speak to the guys. I'm going this coming Monday. Me and some of the worship team will go, and RJ's going with me this time. And we go in, and we bring hope and truth and life to the men, and we worship with them. And I bring them a word, and there's always tears and talking, and relationships are formed out of that. But guess what? That just, I don't just get the credit for that. You do. You do. Because I don't have to go to my 50-hour-a-week job Monday morning. Because you guys give. I get to go do that, but it gets credited to our account. It's a pretty cool thing. When we're together and when we choose to partner with each other, we can do big things that none of us could ever do on our own. We've been able to give food boxes and, and meals, and I've seen you guys do some cool things, especially over the last few months. Like People have given meals to other people in the church, and, and there's been financial help, and there's been all kinds of stuff. That One thing that we were able to do as a church that you may not know about, I wanted to tell you guys about because um, me and Jesse got a letter about it this week, and I was like, man... Like, we did that, us, the church. We did it. So one thing we were able to give to as a church um, for our overseas missions during this season, and we give, as a church, we give at least 10% of what we bring in, tithes and offerings, goes to something other than us and to good ground. So we were able to give some money to a ministry that me and Jesse are connected to, through Pastor Bruce, uh, has some affiliates, and uh, we're connected to a ministry called Beyond Uganda. And Uganda's been hit really hard through COVID because most of them, they work today for food today to feed their family. Well, the whole country's been shut down. So almost everyone is out of work and has no food. and, And we've heard stories of them like this grandmother boiling chicken poop to feed her grandkids because there's just nothing to eat. So stories are, are crazy. But we as a church were able to send meals to people in Uganda. So I don't know if you got that picture up there, Ben. Okay, so I wanted you guys to see this family. And I'm gonna read you the letter that they sent. It says, Thank you, New Horizon Worship Center. For your amazing generosity during such difficult times to love, serve, and feed others in desperate need. We were able to hand deliver 30 family meal packs that fed 210 people for an entire month with the gift that you gave. Just, just if we stop right there and think about the small gift that we as a church gave to help somebody else, we were able to hand out 30 family meal packets that fed 210 people for an entire month. So the whole last month, 210 people ate just because of our little bit of oil, our little bit of flour, even though we were scared that we may not have offerings coming in, you know. But out of obedience, God said, give I lost my place in the letter for an entire month. But even greater than that is that each family was able to be prayed with, the gospel shared, and hope restored in many lives. And of the 30 families you provided for, there were 12 that made a decision to follow Christ and have been connected to a local church and are now a part of the local church family. We wanted to share just one of those precious families with you that you fed for the last month so you see firsthand the faces of impact that you have had. This is Kyra Simon and his family. He was a casual day laborer but has not had any work for over four months. With the lockdown in Uganda, there's just nothing. He said that the food package was an answer to their prayers since they have been without much food and they only feed the youngest child once a day and the older children and the parents eat something every few days to survive. The family said that this is proof that even during crisis, God hears their voices and he knows their names. And four from this family chose Christ as their Lord and savior. Because the food package reminded them that God knows their name and he hears their cry. Thank you again for your immediate sacrifice for so many eternal decisions it's an honor to serve alongside you both for your amazing and your amazing church and that's one letter for one gift that we as a church gave to feed a bunch of people but the decisions that were made and the connections and these people chose to to get connected to a local church and, and to get saved. And, and we can do so much more together than, than we could ever do alone. We did that. We had a powerful youth, youth night last week, the worship service, and we had a powerful challenge, and, and teenagers were able to participate in this exercise that was, I believe, given to us by God. I didn't even come up with it, but I got to be the one that our camp team came up with it, heard God on it, and and then I came up with, kind of developed it, what I thought God was saying to me about the idea, but it wasn't my idea, but it was so powerful to be in the room with a bunch of 12 to 18-year-old teenagers and see some tears and, and to hear their voices and to... Uh, to watch them let go of some things and, and to know that God was changing their lives. Somebody on the worship team said to me afterwards, I wish we had something like that when we were kids. Well, because it's so valuable and so powerful. I believe it changed the course of some of those kids' lives. We did that. We us as a church why because you choose to be a part you choose to drop money in the offering you choose to give your time you choose to connect in relationship you choose to join your faith with my faith and your vision with my vision and, and we can do more together than we could ever do on our own It's a fact that we're better together. We can do really good things together. Jesus said, I'm the vine and you're the branches. So if you're connected to Him, then that means you have to be connected to each other too. So don't tell me me and God are good and I just don't like people or I don't like church because that doesn't work. John said, if you say you know God and you don't have love for people, then you don't know God. Pretty much, John said, you're wrong. You, You can't figure out how to love people, then you don't know God. That's what John said, not me. Get mad at him. Better figure out how to love people. We're a team. No one player can win a game on their own. I don't care how good of a running back you are. If you don't have a line, you can't win the game. Unless you've got a really weak opponent. Herschel Walker, running back for UGA, was interviewed after one of his games where he carried the ball a crazy amount of times, which he always did. And the interviewer said, Don't you get tired of carrying the ball? He said, It's not that heavy. He was a great running back, but he couldn't win by himself. He had to have a team. Paul said it like this. We are a body with many members. We're all part of the same body with a whole bunch of different members. Colossians, I'm going to wrap this up. Colossians 2.18. don't tolerate people who try to run your life ordering you to bow and scrape insisting that you join their obsession with angels and that you seek our visions see Paul was writing this letter and and there were these people that were now trying to tell the New Testament church that, no, you need to do it this way. You need to do this and that. You need to seek out visions and angels and you need to, here's the law and here's the rules and here's what you need to be doing. And they were messing up the relationship. Paul said, don't tolerate it. Don't tolerate people trying to run your life. It's not what you were called to do. Don't let people control you with what they think it should look like. Um, I heard this story about old Bubba and he he moved into this big apartment building and it was one where it had these nice little apartments around it, and it had one big courtyard that was all kind of shared and turns out old Bubba didn't realize it, he was born and raised a Baptist and he moved in there to be close to his new job in the city and when he moved in, he didn't realize, but all of these apartments, everybody that lived in there was Catholic except him. And so they said that everything was good. He got along. Everybody was, it was a peaceful, quiet, apartments, and things fine. He met a lot of the neighbors and stuff. But here's, the problem rolled around was that every single Friday, as a reward for working hard that week, Bubba went out and bought him some of the big, best steaks he could find, And he'd go out in that courtyard and he'd throw those steaks on the grill every Friday. And you could just smell them from all the apartments around. Well, the problem was that Catholics, they wouldn't eat steak. They can't eat steak on any Friday of Lent or Good Friday. And so sure enough, here comes old Bubba. And he's grilling up his steaks on Friday. And they're like, man, we can't eat it. We can't eat that. We got to eat we have to eat fish. And so it became a problem because they all wanted a steak and he would offer it and their kids would want to go down there and eat steak with Bubba. Why do we have to eat fish? And so now they're saying, well, why do we have to be Catholic? And so it was just upsetting everybody. And so they went to him and they, they tried to convert him to become a Catholic. They're like, if we can get him to be Catholic too, then we won't have to worry about it. He'll have to eat fish on the days that we have to eat fish. No big deal. So they went to Bubba and in the spirit of peace, he said, okay, fine, I'll become a Catholic, whatever, that's fine. Hadn't been going to my Baptist church lately anyways, and so they said, okay, we're going to make it official. So they brought a priest out there, and the priest came, and the priest said, ask him a few questions, and uh, figured out that he was serious, and so the priest splashed a little bit of water on him, and he said, you were born a Baptist, you were raised a Baptist, and now you are transformed into a Catholic. And throws the water on him. Bubba said, that's it? He said, yep. You're now a Catholic. Go live as a Catholic. Bless you, my child. He said, okay, great. Wonderful. Good Friday rolls around. Everybody starts smelling steak. What in the world's going on? They look out there and old Bubba's out there just singing to himself, flipping steaks on the grill. And they're like, What? did what happened did he not i thought we solved this problem and they go down and as they walk up they see bubba throwing a little bit of water on the stake and he said you were born a cow you were raised a cow and now you are transformed into a fish <laughs> i apologize <laughs> we like our systems we like our patterns, our works, the things that we set up, as long as they work for us. Uh, we want to set it up, but then wait a minute, oh no, no, you can't start thinking about... we like them as long as they work for us. But that's not Jesus, for by grace you have been saved, not of works, lest any man should boast. Let me finish reading you this scripture. They're a lot of hot air. That's all they are. They're completely out of touch with the source of life, Christ, who puts us together in one piece, whose very breath and blood flow through us. We're called to be one. He is the head and we are the body. We can grow up healthy in God Only as he nourishes us. So is the church an organization or an organism? Because if if in your mind you think of the church as an organization, then we're in trouble. And when things hit like a virus that says we can't meet or stuff happens, if, if the church is an organization, Definition of an organization is an organized body of people with a particular purpose. Especially a business, a society, association, etc. But what we're called to be is an organism. That means a whole with interdependent parts likened to a living being. Now Paul called us the body of Christ. Many members. We all have a different role to play. We all have a different thing to give. All he asks is for obedience. You can't say you love the head and you don't like the body. You won't produce fruit. Well, relationships hard. Yeah, well, so is school, and marriage, and a job, and pastoring. There are a lot of things that are hard, and we do them. Why? Because it's worth it, right? The benefits far outweigh the hard. Same with relationship. You know who else needed people? Needed relationship? Jesus. Wait a minute. The God man? The perfect one? Jesus? Miracle working Jesus? Yeah, the first thing he did before he ever even did a miracle was gather together a team. He started going around getting disciples together before he even did a miracle. That's the first thing. It's like, well, it's time to change the world. What do I need to do? Put together a band of idiots. It wasn't like he got these awesome, like, they all had problems, they were men. Had old big mouth Peter and doubting Thomas and the sons of thunder, James and John, that tried to call down fire on people because they got mad at them. And all like, it wasn't like he got a bunch of perfect dudes that had been to the Jerusalem school of ministry. No, he had fishermen and tax collectors, and uh, but he had people. Why, he knew even him, even all God, all man, miracle working Jesus had to have people. He had to have a team, got his crew together to be like Jesus. Do we really want to be like Jesus? Okay, here's the formula. If you want to really want to be like Jesus, here's what he did. Get connected to a team of idiots, serve, love, give, and ultimately lay down your life to change the world. Oh, I just described the church. It's an opportunity to get together with a group of people that aren't perfect and love and give and serve and grow and ultimately change the world. Proverbs, Proverbs thirteen twenty, says, become wise by walking with the wise, hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. If you want to be wise, hang around with wise people. It's pretty simple. Hang around with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. Be careful who you surround yourself with. They say you're the sum of your five closest relationships. Who has a voice in your life? If no one does, that's a problem. If everyone does, that's a problem too. Ask yourself that today. Am I connected? Am I connected to people? Am I connected to church? Am I connected to God and the Father? Is my relationship with God good and and with his people? am i investing anywhere heard pastor bruce talking about a while back we were in a meeting together and he was talking about sacred moments of grace and he said in that meeting that it's not just the good moments we can look back over your life at those sacred moments of grace some of those were bad moments some of those were the hardest things you ever walked through some of those were losing a loved one. It was the bad ones too. But if you don't let your emotions rob you of the truth, it can become sacred or pivotal, pivotal moments. John 1.14 says, Jesus was full of grace and truth, not half grace, half truth, but all grace, all truth. So in your darkest hour, in your pain, in your addiction, when you choose to quit... the moments where you don't know what to say, Jesus is there. Grace, truth. But if you let your emotions rob you of the truth, then you will miss the sustaining grace for that moment. Holy Spirit's there. God places people in your life. But you can miss the power because of a bad connection. We had a lawnmower at the house that I charged the battery thinking it was the battery. My charger said it was charged, but I couldn't even get it to turn over. And there was nothing wrong with the motor. It had the power to cut the grass. But it just, there was nothing, no good connection to the battery. It wasn't getting power. Worship is your connection to God in heaven. If you choose to worship, even or especially in the hard times there's a connection being made from heaven to earth your perspective will lock you up or set you free so is your worship going to break your chains or will your chains break your worship Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for the relationships. Thank you for the connections that you've placed in my life. For the ministry partners that, that you've sent to walk along beside me to help me walk out the call and the purpose that's on my life. Some for a season and, and some for life. God, I thank you for fixing the relationship between us and you so that we can know you as Father. I thank you for grace and mercy. I ask you to help us to to form the right relationships, to invest where you've called us to invest, to give to things bigger than ourselves. God, I thank you that we together are so much stronger than any one of us is apart. God, we want to change the course of history. We want to touch the world. We want to fight great battles on behalf of humanity. Help us to realize that that will only happen in community, connected. We can't walk out the call that you have on our life alone. God, thank you for speaking to our hearts and our minds.